0: Let me begin by saying, first, I'm uh, really grateful to John uh, for filling in for me last week. I wasn't here, but I've had a chance to listen to his message on stress. He did a really good job dealing with a topic that just about everybody in the world deals with, and so I'm grateful to John for that. If you have not heard that, check out the podcast or see our AV guys, and they will get you a copy of that, because it is definitely worth your time, uh, and you'll appreciate what John has to say. Second, uh, Kendall did a good job on the toughest psalm there is. That one is a doozy, uh, talking about smashing babies' heads on rocks. You, sometimes you read that and you're like, uh, what? What am I supposed to do with this? You know, but it's exactly what Kendall said. You take whatever hatred you feel, and you give it to God instead of going out and doing that yourself. Okay, that's the, that's the whole idea behind those, uh, what you call imprecatory psalms, those, those uh, uh, the, uh, another name for it is the cursing psalms, because that is definitely some hardcore stuff. But uh, Kendall did a good job with that, and uh, I selected him for that one, because I knew he would do a good job with it. So that was the do Now we get into some really nice ones as we get ready to, uh, to close out the book over the next few weeks. Well, (coughs) for the last several weeks, we have been in a series called The Cross in the Empty Tomb, where we're talking about why we do the things that we do as a body of believers, why we do things we do as a church, and we've talked about, you know, what the church is and why we gather and why we give, and starting today... We're going to spend a couple of weeks talking about why we baptize, or rather, why we should be baptized. And so we're going to do that today, and we're going to do that again next Sunday, and then we're going to talk about why we commune, and then we're going to talk about forgiveness, because that's a pretty big deal. And it seems like every time I speak on forgiveness, everybody's like, yeah, man, I really needed to hear that one, because I think that's something that a lot of people struggle with as well, not just stress. We struggle with forgiving people, so that's where we're kind of headed as we get ready to move toward the uh, toward the holiday season. And so today we're gonna we're gonna start in uh, in Matthew chapter three as we talk about uh, baptism. Uh, I was baptized on September the first, nineteen eighty 32 years ago. Uh, for that long, I've been uh, been following Jesus. Um, I don't think I knew then that that was the best decision I ever made in my life, but I have come to understand that now. And it has, uh, you know, it's not always been easy to follow him. Uh, sometimes it's been a whole lot easier to not follow Jesus. You know what I'm talking about? It's just easier to go a different way when Jesus is saying, no, come on the hard way. And there have been times where I chose not to follow him. But overall, it's been the, the best decision that, uh, that I have made in my life. Now, I have been able to witness a lot of baptisms in my life through camps and ministry and all of these different things that I have been to. I've been privileged to baptize a lot of people into Jesus. I've baptized some of you into Jesus, and that's been a very high honor for me as well. Now, as someone who has witnessed a lot of baptisms and participated in a lot of baptisms, there are are certain things that you notice. Okay? And that is the difference between a trained baptizer and an untrained baptizer. And it is really entertaining to watch an untrained baptizer go to work. It's one of my favorite things in the in all of church. So a trained baptizer a trained baptizer will walk you through the whole thing and there's one thing, especially if you've been baptized by me, I will talk to you about before you get into, into the water, and it's about how to hold your hands. Okay, you know what I'm talking about? Okay, so here's the deal. If I baptized you, or if I ever baptize you, I'm going to tell you to take your right hand like this, take your left hand like this, and grab your right hand. Then, with your right hand, grab your nose. That's not about making sure everything's okay. That's about wrist control okay that's what that's the reason for that not because it's holy not because it's special is to make sure that you stay in control when I put you down in the water now a trained baptizer will then speak these elegant words before the crowd based on your confession that Jesus Christ is the Son of God I now baptize you in the name of the Father the Son and the Holy Spirit for the forgiveness of your sins and then it's time to be baptized. But those are not the last words that a trained baptizer speaks. And if I baptized you, you know that the last words you hear me say ever so softly is the highly spiritual, very theological command, bend your knees. Because if you don't, you're going to soak me and you. And I've already been baptized. I don't want to be wet again. Okay, so I'll say bend your knees so that you go down easier. And I've got your, and so, you know, you're like this, and I've got my hand on top of both of your hands securing wrist control. Bend your knees, let you down into the water, and usually I'll end up with maybe a sleeve wet. Okay, if you don't bend your knees, I end up with waders full of water. Okay, now then, that's how you can tell a professional trained baptizer. The untrained baptizer is what's really fun to watch. Because they don't know anything about wrist control. Okay? They will not speak the words to you, bend your knees, right before you go down. And so they'll make the great pronouncement that you've been baptized into Jesus for the remission of your sins. And then a lot of times, will body slam you into Jesus. Arms flailing, legs flying, people being splashed all over the place. It is one of my favorite things to watch. What's really great is when they don't tell the person that it's about to happen, and they just grab their nose and swam, slam them down in the water. I've got lots of footage of this from watching kids at Impact do this, and it is really, really funny to watch. But you can tell, you can always tell the trained baptizers from the untrained baptizers. Well, baptism is a, it's an interesting issue. Uh, and the reasons why people are baptized, and the reasons how people are baptized, are are interesting. Uh, some churches baptize by sprinkling; they'll just sprinkle a little bit of water on on who, whoever the the candidate is. Others will pour a little bit of water on the head. Most churches that practice baptism immerse because you know the word, the the Greek word baptizo means to immerse or to dip, and so they'll put you all the way underwater, and that's what our, that's what our tradition is. Uh, hopefully, most people are baptized as a part of the salvation process, but this isn't always the case. Sometimes people are baptized in order to, uh, to please a parent or to please a spouse. Other people are baptized because, well, that's what everybody else was doing, and you'll see that a lot of times in youth groups. Okay, especially if you see a big tragedy. Uh, something will happen and one person will start thinking about their life and they'll get baptized and all of a sudden like 50 other kids will be baptized. And it's not necessarily because they've been thinking about it, but it's like, hey man, everything, everybody else is doing it and they're feeling the pressure. And so they do it. And so they get baptized out of, uh, out of, uh, out, out of peer pressure. Uh, some are, are baptized as a response to salvation. Now then, We won't settle this for the world in two messages because this fight has been going on for 2,000 years. But what I do want to say is that as we talk about these things over the next couple of weeks, what I want you to grasp first and foremost is this, is this is not an issue of what God can do. Now, I've been asked a lot of times in my career, you know, don't you believe that God can save me without being baptized? And of course, there's, you know, that's, it's not a question of what god can do god is god and god can do whatever god wants to do okay i'm not in the business of telling god what he will or won't do it doesn't work out real well okay i would recommend that for you too god can save whoever he wants to however he wants to what this is about is what god has asked of us what he has asked us to do but god can save anyone that he he wants to. But baptism is so much more than making sure we get the formula right. You know, it's you know, hear, believe, repent, confess, be baptized. And if I don't do that exactly right, then I've just messed it up and I'm not saved and I've got to get it right. And, and until I do get it right, there's that, that moment where I'm not quite sure if I'm saved or not. There are a lot of people who were baptized because of that. And they believed that if they didn't get everything in the exact right order, they were not going to get to go see Jesus one day. okay? And that their life was, was held in the balance. The problem is, if that's the way we look at it, then it is solely dependent upon our action. Does that make sense? It is dependent upon our ability to follow a recipe and make sure we get it right. Does that make sense? But it's more than that. A guy named Tully and Trevigion says this the only thing we contribute to our salvation is the sin that makes it necessary. Does that make sense? That's all. Because there's nothing good about us that we bring to salvation. The only thing that we have to offer are our lives that are broken because of sin and because of the damage that sin has done into, in our lives. So the only thing that we bring into the entire process is the sin that makes salvation necessary in the first place. So many people were, were taught that you, know, you have to be baptized or, or else you know, you're going to burn in hell. Hello? And while that might work for, for some people, I would suggest that a better approach to understanding baptism is not looking at it so much as something that you have to do because if you don't, you're going to burn in hell. A better approach is to look at baptism as something that we get to do. Something that that you and I are invited into because of the grace and the mercy of Jesus. That is a much better motivator for me than fear. Now, some people like to be motivated by fear, and if that's your thing, then that's fine. But what motivates me more is to be drawn to Jesus, because what, have, what Jesus has done. Uh, John Mark Hicks, he's, he's one of my professors. As a matter of fact, by the time I close this sermon, I will have quoted two of three of my professors throughout this series. So there's your lips come paying off here. But John Mark Hicks has written a book called Enter the Water, Come to the Table. He says, in 1982, the Faith and Order Commission of the World Council of Churches adopted the text of a significant ecumenical statement entitled Baptism, Eucharist, and Ministry, known as BEM. Widely distributed, it is the most frequently studied document produced by the ecumenical movement. That just means a unity among the churches. So here's your nice theological word. It has has become a significant starting point for discussion between different faith communities, and many have adopted it. BEM has become a consensus document of sorts. BEM organizes the meaning of baptism around five theological ideas. As a product of a thorough discussion of Scripture and the interaction of multiple Christian communions, the simplicity and the depth of these points are captivating so here is how the uh, baptism eucharist and ministry document thinks of baptism it thinks of baptism as number one participation in christ's death and resurrection now isn't that what we talk about that is part of i mean that's what we celebrate when we talk about baptism it is also conversion pardoning and cleansing number three It is where the gift of the Holy Spirit is bestowed upon people. Number four, it's incorporation into the body of Christ. And the fifth thing is that it is the sign of the kingdom of God coming to reign within our lives and and within within our world. So what this this does is to help us have a very good understanding of or an underpinning of what what baptism is. And so now what I want to do is I want us to look at a baptism story. Now, it'd be very easy to just run to Acts because there's lots of baptism stories there. It'd be really easy to run and look at what Peter says about it and run to see what Paul says about it. And eventually, we're going to do that, but that's not going to be until next week. Last week when I was away at school, one of, uh, actually two of my guys, uh, Earl Lavender, who I'll quote here in just a minute, and then John York, who you've met before. Uh, they both said really interesting things uh, about the Gospels. Uh, Earl Lavender said, What if all we had was just the Gospels? What would the church look like? Would that be enough? Would the words of Jesus be enough? And I think, Yes, absolutely. They would, would be enough. And then John. York says, you know, a lot of times what we've done is we have prioritized Paul more than Jesus. And Paul was great, and Paul wrote some really good things, but Paul, as we know, is not Jesus, right? And Paul would say those very same things. So as we're going to talk about baptism, instead of running to Acts and seeing what Luke writes about it, instead of seeing what Paul has to say right off the bat, or even what Peter has to say, I think the place to begin a baptism sermon is by looking at the baptism of Jesus. So begin reading with me in Matthew chapter 3. We'll read the first six verses, and then we'll, uh, we'll drop down to verse 13. <coughs> in those days, John the Baptist came, preaching in the wilderness of Judea, and saying, Repent, because the kingdom of heaven has come near." For he is the one spoken of through the prophet Isaiah, who said, A voice of one crying out in the wilderness, Prepare the way for the Lord, and make his paths straight. Now John had a camel hair garment and a leather belt around his waist, and his food was locust and wild honey. Then the people from Jerusalem, all Judea, and all the vicinity of the Jordan were going out to him, and they were baptized by him in the Jordan River, confessing their sins. Now drop down to verse 13. Then Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. But John tried to stop him saying, I need to be baptized by you and yet you come to me? Jesus answered him, Allow it for now because this is the way for us to fulfill our righteousness. Then John allowed him to be baptized. When Jesus was baptized, he went up immediately from the water the heavens suddenly opened for him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming down on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. So there we have it right there. That's the baptism of Jesus. And it's really, it's really an incredible story. You've got John, his, his relative who's kind of this wild guy eating bugs and honey and dressed like a camel. And he's out there in the desert and he's preaching this this baptism of repentance and people are coming to him in droves. And then all of a sudden, Jesus shows up. John knows exactly who Jesus is. And Jesus says, hey, I'm here for baptism. And John is saying, no way. I'm not even worthy to untie your shoes, man. If anybody needs to be baptized, it's me by you. You don't need this. That's what John is saying. Why should you be baptized? Okay? You need to be baptizing me. And Jesus is like, wait a minute. We need to do this. Because when you baptize me, then we will fulfill all this righteousness stuff we've been talking about. And so John does. I can imagine even still he's probably a little bit reluctant to do it. But he baptizes Jesus But it's what happens in verses 16 and 17 that I really want to to call your attention to for for a couple of minutes. Jesus is baptized. He comes up out of the water and it says immediately when he comes up out of the water the heavens opened up and the spirit the holy spirit in the form of a dove descends down upon Jesus and then this voice from heaven speaks is, this is my son, whom I love, and I am really pleased with what he's doing. I am pleased with him. Up to this point, God has not stepped in and said, hey, that's my son. Now, then, we know that God sent an angelic message. We know that he gave that to Gabriel, who gave it to, to Joseph and to Mary. And that this is God's son. But up to this point, God has not spoken in the story, but he waits until the baptism of Jesus. He comes up out of the water, the spirit of the dove. You know, Have you ever noticed that dove way up there? Anybody, have you ever noticed that dove? That's why that's there. Did you know that? Because that, we read this story. And that dove is, you know, what you would call that is iconography. Okay, What that dove is, is that's representative of what happens right here. That the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, God's Spirit, is descending down upon Jesus after he is baptized. And then God speaks and says, This is my Son, whom I love, or my beloved. In him I am well pleased. Dr. Dallas Burdett says, It is here that God personally enters the story and declares Jesus to be the son that he loves. Earl Lavender, that I mentioned just a minute ago, continues that thought, and he says, this, this happens at our baptism too. The heavens open. No barrier stands between us. Now think about that. Before we come to God, before we give our lives to Jesus in baptism, there is a tremendous barrier in front of us, is there not? What is it? It's our sin. It's our brokenness. It's our shame. It's our pain. It's our hurt. It's all of the things that we have done in our past that, you know, we probably wish we never did. Or maybe it's even things we did that we don't even remember that we did. But there is that tremendous barrier. And there's another barrier that's there too, and that is death. Spiritual death. We are spiritually dead when we come to God. But what happens at our baptism is that there is no barrier. There is nothing that stands between us and God. God says, You are my son. You are my daughter. And I am pleased with you. Do you realize that? That when we are baptized, the same thing happens. The Holy Spirit comes to us as a gift of God. And God says, you are my son. You are my daughter. God identifies us as His children. That's what That's what happens, that's what happens at our baptism. And that's an incredibly powerful thing, is it not? That is a great reason, a great reason to be baptized right there. Now then, like I said, the fear thing, it works for some people. But how much better is it to be known and loved by God? And that be the motivation. God is drawing us in. He's saying, "Hey, look, I want to identify with you. I want to claim you as my son, as my daughter. And that's exactly what happens through baptism. We establish, we establish our identity. This is exactly what happens in, in Matthew 3 in the baptism of Jesus. Now as we think about this story, <coughs> John's protest, brings up a question that really is begging to be asked, and it is this. Did Jesus need to be baptized? John didn't think so. Because John refused. He put up the brakes. Whoa, wait a minute, Jesus. You're Jesus. Don't you know who you are? I need to be baptized by you, is what he is saying. Did Jesus need to be baptized? The answer is no. So if Jesus didn't need to be baptized, then there's another question that we have to ask, and it's this, well, if not, why did he do it? Have you ever thought about that? If Jesus did not have to be baptized, because after all, he is God's son, right? He is the sinless son of God he is the spotless lamb of God who went to the cross and bore the sins of the world with sin he couldn't be that he couldn't go to the cross and bear everybody's sins because he would not have been the spotless blameless without blemished lamb of God right he is without sin so then Maybe there's something more to baptism than just sin management. Right? Because if Jesus didn't need to be baptized, why did he do it? Jesus might well have been up there in front standing with John and calling on sinners to repent. I'm sure that's what John would have preferred, don't you? Instead, He was down there with the sinners, affirming his solidarity with them, making himself one with them in the process of salvation that he would in due course accomplish. You see what Jesus is doing? He is identifying with us. He is identifying with his people. He didn't have to be baptized. There was no reason for it because Jesus didn't need to have his sins wiped away. He did it to connect with humanity, to connect with us. Why are we baptized? Because it's through baptism that we find our true identity. Yeah, all of those things that we talked about before, all those five things we talked about, yes, all those things are true. All those things are a part of baptism. But it's in baptism we find out who we truly are. It's in baptism where God says, you are my son. You are my daughter. And I'm very pleased with you. And that is powerful. To know that God loves us that much, that He would give up His Son so that He can claim us as His own. That that is, is, is powerful. So, why are we baptized? Because in baptism, in baptism, Jesus identifies with the sinful humanity, us, that he has come to save. In baptism, sinful humanity, us, connects with Jesus' saving power and finds its true identity. That's powerful. To know that your identity is wrapped up in Jesus. Now then, people will try to to lay an identity on you. You know they will. They'll try to lay things on you from your past, choices that you have made, things that have happened to you. And they'll say, that's who you are. That is your identity. You are a failure jesus says no 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 if you're baptized into my name you are my brother you are my sister god says you are my child i claim you your identity is with me don't listen to what anybody else has to say that's what is going on at baptism isn't that awesome and yeah, again, isn't that better than hearing baptism as just sin management? It helps us learn who we are. It helps us understand who, who who God created us to be. Now, let me say this as I, as I wrap this up. You will sometimes hear people say, and you'll hear preachers say, that baptism is is unnecessary. Baptism is very important. If it wasn't important, all four Gospels wouldn't have said something about it. If it wasn't important, Jesus would not have demanded that John baptized him. Even though he didn't need it. Now I understand where that thought comes from. And I don't have time to unpack all that today. And if you want to talk about that. Or are curious about it. I'll be, I'll be glad to, to, to sit down. And kind of work through that a little bit. But it is so vital. That Jesus insisted. Upon it. Jesus was baptized to set an example for us, right? He did it to model it for us. He also did it to model it for His disciples, for His apostles, who at the end of the book, He's going to tell to go into all the world and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That great commission that we read about. Jesus modeled it for them, but not only for them, he models it for us. Jesus is our example. Now then, if we call ourselves Christ followers, then that means we are committed to following Christ, right? Okay? And that's what a disciple is. A disciple is a follower of Jesus. It doesn't necessarily mean you've been baptized, you know, because anybody, you can sort of follow at a distance, you're kind of checking Jesus out. Most of us were that way. You realize that? Most of us were disciples before we became Christians, okay? And that's sort of how Jesus laid it out, make disciples, teach them, baptize them. Okay? You make the disciples first. They gotta know who I am first. And and that's the way a lot of us came to Christ. We kind of watched kind of on the margins and kind of checked Jesus out and investigated things on our own. Then when we came to that faith, we committed our lives to, to, to Jesus. Jesus is our example. If Jesus is our example, then we then we follow him, right? All right, now stay with me for a minute. If we follow Christ then we know that Jesus told us on two different occasions that we need to take up our cross and follow after him, right? He said that in, uh, in Matthew 16. He also said that in, in Luke chapter 9. The difference in those is Luke chapter 9, follow daily, or, or take up your cross daily and follow after me. All right, so, so hang with me. If he tells us to take up our cross and follow him, Then part of that journey includes following Jesus into the waters of baptism. Doesn't that make sense? He modeled it. The disciples taught it. He invites us into it. Because in baptism, We find our true identity. That we are God's children. We are His sons and His daughters. And all those other things that we talked about at the beginning, all those, it's just like the icing on the cake. It's the good stuff that that comes along with it. We're brought into the kingdom. We receive the Holy Spirit as a counselor and a comforter and and a guide. Our sins are, are washed away. But we are identified by God as His children. That's why we're baptized. And that is powerful. Let's pray together.